1: Hi,
2: Sarah. Hi, Kirby. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. We have a very special guest joining us for today's topic and for What's on Your Face. So please welcome Dr. Nancy Samulitis, co-founder of Facile Dermatology Boutique in Los Angeles.
1: Woohoo! Okay, so Dr. Nancy Sammelitis, MD, is a board-certified dermatologist specializing in cosmetic and laser dermatology, and she's been practicing since 2005. She has many accomplishments to her name, including receiving a research grant from the National Rosacea Society to study the effects of lasers on rosacea. Dr. Sam is always on the forefront of what's new in skincare and dermatology and oftentimes tell patients, like yours truly, about treatments long before they make their way here to America, and we are so excited to have her here Thank you for being on the show, Dr. Sam! Yay! Yay. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Hey.
2: Kirby,
3: Kirby was saying how weird it is to see you uh, not in your scrubs. <laughs> I know. I'm happy to not be in my scrubs today. It's a very cute outfit.
1: Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Dr. Sam, everybody sees Dr. Sam. Like, we were talking to Shawnee, yeah. and Shawnee's like, I love Dr. Sam Elitis. She has so many lovely patients that come to see her for everything, whether it's like, I'm getting older, what can I do to spruce things up, or like... I have cystic acne, and I have never been able to get rid of it, to myself, I have melasma. And every time I talk about melasma, I get a DM from Dr. Sam like, if you don't let me help you with your melasma, it's never going to go away. It's just going to stay on your face forever. (laughs) So then I finally went in and saw her this past week. And we're gonna we're gonna do Ooh. it. We're getting rid of my melasma. It's okay. Basically, everybody has melasma. Really? Dude, <laughs> including they self- myself. Well, yeah. It's, it's literally, so common.
3: It's an epidemic,
1: especially in Southern California. I see it all day, every day. Well, uh-huh. we're gonna talk a lot more about melasma. You guys have questions about it? What it is exactly? Yeah. You know how you get rid of it? Can you actually get rid of it? And Dr. Sam has all of the answers and explanations. So we'll get to that. But we do want to do what's on our face. Yes. So. It's been a bit a hot set it's been a hot second we've done it so um but there's a lot of products we've been loving yeah so do you want me to kick things off yeah please okay i bought this product i wanted to see what the hype was so tati westbrook who is a youtuber influencer all that stuff she started her own Tati Beauty line, which we've talked about on the show before, mm-hmm. but she recently came out with a like a blending sponge. Yeah. But it's not like a beauty blender. Um, it doesn't look like any other sponge out there. It actually looks like a poof from like Laura Mercier that you get with your powder. Right. Or like the makeup eraser. It's the same type of texture. Yeah. And I was like, what is this and why would people use it? But she says you can use it to apply foundation, to bake your makeup, and to, you know, kind of just like touch up your face and blend things out. And I bought it. It was $18. It comes in just like this little, you know, package. There's a large one. It kind of looks like a guitar pick. Okay. But like on a larger scale. And then there's like a tiny one, which they call the Baby Blendiful. And... I freaking love it. Wow. It's great. (laughs) Like I was like, is this a sham? Why am why are people buying this? Do we need another poof? But I think the thing that really makes this better than a typical sponge is that it doesn't absorb as much product. So like you're using less product on your face, you're using less product in general, so it'll last longer. Like if you if you buy a $30 foundation, you don't want it to be gone within a month. And you don't have to like get it wet like a beauty blender. You don't have to wet it. Um, you can machine wash it oh, and I just find that like, it really sets my makeup nicely. Like I used to, I mean, I like powder, but I don't like feeling like I have a ton of powder on. And I feel like with this, I just dab it in the powder, kind of spot treat a little bit and then it just mattifies and looks really nice and pretty. Yeah, your makeup looks really good. I'm a big fan. I have to say, <laughs> awesome. I was like a little skeptical. But Where do you buy that? You just buy it online. Okay. Um, she has her own website, TatiBeauty.com, and I just wanted to know like what the hype was because everybody was, you know, totally wanting to buy it. So I bought it when it went out officially, like a couple of weeks ago, and cool. it came pretty quickly and. I'm I'm excited for her. Awesome. It's a, it's a good invention, so way to go, Tati. Great. Okay, Sarah, what's on your face?
2: Okay, so Maybelline... I love all of Maybelline's products, Sarah. but they just came out with this brow gel called Brow Fast Sculpt. It's $8. Great. And I feel like I... I mean, brows are, like, the one thing that I, like, can't leave the house without doing. I feel super naked without them. Mm -hmm. Also because I have eyelash extensions. So I feel like a lot of people will say mascara is their thing. Yeah. So I don't have to do that. Um, But my brows, I love using brow gels. So I feel like I'm very particular. I obviously love Benefit's Gimme Brow. Yep. I love Dior's Pumpin' Brow. Mm -hmm. But this one... I have to say, might be my new favorite. <gasps> what? Yes. Yeah. I know. And, and it's $8. And it's $8. I love Maybelline. <laughs> I know. You yeah. just can't go wrong. I, what I love about it is the formula is not as... It's wet, but it's not as like thick as like a Gimme Brow and a Dior Pumpin' Brow. So... It goes on and you can. it's like super buildable. Okay, great. Um, but also the brush, the brow wand has two sides. So Ooh. one is longer and one is shorter. So you can use the longer one to sort of like start building your brow and then use the other side to sort of fill it in. Cool. So it almost is like, it gives that like laminated brow look that mm. everyone is like really into right now, and they have you know great shade range. And I just I like obsess with it. It and lasts it's all day. Eight dollars again.
1: Your brows it's look really $8. good.
2: Thank you. I'm so. going straight
3: to CVS. after this.
1: <laughs> you know they they have actually a really great dupe for cloud paint. The Glossier yes. cloud paint. I live. I love blush. I feel like blush mm-hmm. is so underrated, but. I love my cloud paint, but what I find is like when I do it, I have to put it on my hand and sheer it out and then apply it to my face. Otherwise, it's like almost too much product because it's so opaque. Maybelline has something called Cheek Heat. It's like kind of the same packaging as cloud paint. So I think they really are trying to make it like a dupe, but it is $8 and it's a little bit more sheer. Mm. So I feel like I can just like take it right out of the tube and apply it directly to my face and it gives a really pretty glow. Love Maybelline. Maybelline's really doing the most in the best way possible. Yeah. So happy for them. Okay, Dr. Sam. What's um, on your face?
3: Well, I would be a bad dermatologist <laughs> if I didn't have sunscreen on Correct. my face. Yes. But before I put sunscreen on in the morning, my new obsession is toner, which uh, I've always kind of been back and forth about, do we really need toner? What mm-hmm. the heck is toner anyway? And there's a million different kinds. But I have. I am now in the cult of Biologique Recherche. Oh, yes. yes. I, I didn't want to join the cult. <laughs> and I've been hearing about it from my patients for a really long time. And I finally uh, dove in with the P50, the original formula, okay, the great. 1970. Yep. It has a combination of different exfoliating acids. And my skin's pretty tough, so I can use that every single day. So I exfoliate with that first. It almost makes your skin feel numb which is really um, kind of (laughs) Weird at yeah, first, yeah. but then awesome when you get used to and it. And the smell, the smell. Um, I, again, bad at first, yes. and then when you get used to it, it's almost like a, a like an addiction. Oh,
1: I I actually like the smell now. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh, my give husband, me more. Money.
3: my husband can smell like my cotton pad <laughs> yeah. in the in the trash, and he's like, "What? Oh, it's that toner." Again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I do that first so that I've got a clean slate. Okay, and then, um, in the winter, my skin tends to be a little more dry, and I love the facile mattifying sunscreen that's just a pure mineral slightly tinted but sometimes in the winter it doesn't look so smooth on my skin so I'm mixing it now with a drop of vitamin c serum Mm. and I'm really liking the one from is clinical Mm. Um, yeah oh, I love that. so I just put a drop of the serum into my sunscreen mix it together and then it goes on much nicer love that and then a second layer of sunscreen just in case I like color science powder because it's really light and then I just have a tube of that everywhere I go
2: That's such a good hack. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. Can Mm -hmm. you sub different serums? Oh, definitely. Yeah.
3: I mean, I have different oils. Um, Some Mm -hmm. people like lapis oil from Herbivore if their skin is acne prone. Mm -hmm. There's a company called Naya 24 that sadly is going out of business, but I've (gasps) hoarded a bunch of their (laughs) niacinamide based oil. Oh, okay. Um, So maybe we can find a substitute for that.
2: Interesting.
1: I haven't heard of them, but Mm -hmm. now I'm sad that they're going away. (laughs) Bummer. (laughs) Okay, that was awesome.
2: Yes. Okay, so today, we are asking Dr. Sam about some of your most asked skincare questions. Yes. And there are
1: a lot. Yeah. We asked on our Instagram, you know, what would you ask Dr. Sam Elitis if you had time or were able to get in to see her? And we had a bunch of responses, some of them similar to each other. So we're just going to go through a few of those. Okay. This is very basic level. And I think a lot of you guys know like the true difference, but we want Dr. Sam to explain in her own terms. What's the difference between a dermatologist and an esthetician, and what skincare needs are best suited for each, in your opinion?
3: Okay, so first of all, um, an esthetician uh, is someone who has about six to 12 months of training in a specialty esthetician school. They learn about basic structure and function of skin and also learn a lot about skincare products. So, an esthetician is best suited for you if you have healthy skin, if you don't necessarily have a skin problem. And Or if you have a very mild skin problem, an esthetician can help you with that. But mostly just for maintenance, facials, light peels, deep cleaning, extractions of pores, um, hydrating. Our estheticians at Facile do a lot of things that help me also do my job better. So most estheticians and dermatologists work well in harmony. Um, A dermatologist is a physician, usually um, either an MD or a DO. So we have four years of postgraduate training, medical school followed by one intern year, which most people do internal medicine. So dermatology and internal medicine are very strongly linked because Mm. a lot of conditions on the skin, hair, and nails are linked to underlying disorders. So Mm. it's a very satisfying part of my job to be able to help people when they come in and they have something funny going on with, say, their eyebrows or their nails or they have a strange rash and I find out that they have diabetes, or they have lupus, or they have a thyroid problem, Mm -hmm. and then I can refer them secondarily to the appropriate specialist to manage that, and then their skin problem gets better. Totally. Um, So dermatology residency training is three years after the intern year. So if you have a skin disease, if you have uh, most common things that we see every single day are acne, melasma, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, Then you're going to need a dermatologist to properly diagnose you, get you on treatment, and then maybe your maintenance will
1: be with an esthetician.
3: Got it. That was yeah, yeah, that's perfect. You're so
1: well-spoken. Obviously, I mean, you talk to patients like me all day, every day. But
3: and of course, don't forget about skin cancer. Yes. Dermatologists are the experts in diagnosing as well as treating skin cancer, and we are trained during our residency. Uh, not only to diagnose medical conditions on patients, but also with a surgical training in order to remove skin lesions, skin cancer. And we also have training on how to look at skin under the microscope. Oh, so there's, I think, more to it than a lot of people there's know. There's so, so totally. much more to it, yeah.
1: Well, I I didn't realize that um, a lot of dermatologists study internal medicine mm-hmm. as well. Which, which
3: totally makes sense.
1: Totally makes sense. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Than, like, When I was
3: in my training, we had a very strong medical program. And we actually had dermatology patients in the hospital that we took care of Mm -hmm. with things like autoimmune blistering diseases, really severe psoriasis. Uh, where these patients were too sick to be at home. So oh, wow. a lot of dermatologists, thankfully, do that as well. Yeah. Not everybody does cosmetics. And if you watch Dr. Pimple Popper, you see she does a lot of big surgeries yeah. to remove lipomas and large cysts. And and that's something that a lot of patients didn't know that dermatologists can do. So yeah. I appreciate her bringing up the awareness of Those what are dermatologists are for. Those are wild I know. transformations. <laughs> yeah, And, and the
2: it, things that like people live with for so long before coming to a dermatologist mm. it's wild like some of her patients feel I feel like they have you know these growths yeah for like, like years. Or years yeah yeah and it's just like so and then you know obviously when she fixes them like they are just so grateful and it's just like it's like
1: so heartwarming, heartwarming. yeah so they yeah. actually I have a question to piggyback off of that how long should you have something on your faith face whether it's a growth or Um, Maybe it's a rash of some sort. Maybe you think it's acne. Should you wait before you go and make an appointment with a dermatologist? Should you just immediately try or should you be like, oh, maybe I'm using a different face wash this week or maybe it's my pillowcase or something like that?
3: Yeah, that's a good question because a lot of people are probably walking around with kind of chronic low-grade skin conditions or a lot of people probably can get relief from something that either their primary doctor or um, somebody, you know, just for over-the-counter products can help with. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, maybe they go to the drugstore and get some hydrocortisone and that actually helps their problem and it goes away. Totally. As far as a skin growth, the most common type of skin cancer called a basal cell carcinoma mm-hmm. actually looks a lot like a pimple that doesn't heal. So if I see somebody and they have what looks like a pimple on their face for more than a month, I usually will take a biopsy to see if that's a skin oh, cancer. That's wow, scary. okay. Yeah, yeah that's and good And that to can know. happen anywhere on the face? Is it there usually a region? Uh, anywhere on the face or the body. Okay. But those cancers are more likely to be found in places where you get chronic sun exposure every day. So like... It's Face, neck, okay. chest, arms, and hands are the most common locations. And it,
1: will it be colored in a certain way or will it just look like a pimple? Oh, they
3: really vary. Mm-hmm. But that common skin cancer, basal cell, they usually look kind of pink and a little bit shiny. And sometimes they scab or bleed really easily. Okay, that's good to know.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, next question How do you feel about medical grade skincare?
3: Obviously, I think medical grade skincare <laughs> is great. And I mean, what I think of when you ask me, like, what is medical grade skincare? I think about companies that have done research that actually show that the product is efficacious and safe. So, similar to what somebody would do if they want to get a, a medication FDA approved, of course, over the counter medical grade skincare does not need to be cleared by the FDA. But when they have studies that show that they actually work, then it makes us more of a believer. Yeah. Because there is a lot of snake oil out there. And there are a lot of false claims that sound really interesting. And you know, you may think, oh, yeah, that sounds like it makes sense. But they don't actually have the studies to back.
1: Totally. Are there any claims that have been made on products that you're like, this is complete BS. Like, there's no way. Oh, yeah, all the time. Really? And I mean,
3: that <laughs> you see a lot of sort of fake before and after pictures oh, that God. are just, I mean, yeah. you know that you can't Sorry. achieve a result like that without major surgery. Totally. So it's just like not even possible. Like, especially for creams that claim to tighten skin yeah. um, and they show a picture of, say, like a really creepy arm of an elderly person and then, you know, oh the, yeah. The after arm looks like a twenty five <laughs> year old. It's just yeah. d- I wish we had a cream that could do that. Totally. But.
2: Are there certain products you would recommend should be like medical grade skincare products versus like what we could maybe pick up at, you know, CVS or Uh, Sephora. Well, there
3: are a lot of drugstore products that are able to kind of follow suit on proven medical grade ingredients, like for example, retinol. So we know that retinol is a great ingredient and because it's over the counter, you don't always know the exact percentage of retinol that you're getting. You don't know um, how much is really in the product. Is it something that's high on the list of ingredients or low on the list of ingredients or is it watered down? Or is it like a, there's different forms of retinol? But the companies that do the studies sometimes will ultimately bring a product to market and then other companies can kind of copy it mm. because they already have the science. So, I mean, I think there
1: are a lot of great drugstore products. Okay, that's great. awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good news. What do you suggest, whether treatment-wise or product-wise, do you suggest for things like droopy eyelids? That was mm. a common ask and then turkey neck okay
3: (laughs) oh my two favorite (laughs) topics
1: other than pores
3: pores that's another one I I love talking about pores yeah um droopy eyelids are tough because really the gold standard is a surgical procedure Mm. and you know it's really people get really scared when I say oh you need surgery on your eyelids um if you really want to see a big difference if if you see a specialist who is an oculoplastic surgeon and they're obviously an expert in doing surgery on the eyelids, the surgery can really be not that major. Mm-hmm. Um, you just remove a little bit of excess skin, and so it's it's not a that big of a deal, I guess. (laughs) My dad got Um, surgery for his droopy eyelids. Did he? Mm -hmm. And it's so satisfying. Yeah. I mean, because it affects your vision. Exactly. And in some people it's medically necessary. Right. Right. Totally. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so if you're not ready for surgery, (laughs) well also like, think about this, like if you're removing excess skin, like there's really Mm -hmm. not a product that can remove that much of or any amount of skin, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why surgery would be necessary. Like we're not pushing surgery on people, but totally. like in, obviously in this case, it would be medically necessary. Mm-hmm. So we can use injectables and uh, procedures like microneedling
3: yep. to get some smoothing and tightening of skin around the eyes. The result's not going to be as dramatic as of, as surgery would be, but it's something that you can try in the meantime that is minimally invasive. Totally.
1: Um, and then okay Tur- neck turkey, turkey neck. neck oh turkey neck right or um, even just so like regular neck yeah. same
3: <laughs> same uh, same story um, you know when i when somebody says turkey neck i assume they mean they have loose skin mm-hmm. that kind of gobbles um <laughs>
1: True. I mean, but (laughs) so many people were asking about this. Oh yeah, Yeah. I know,
3: I know. And you know, I think that unfortunately, looking at ourselves in these iPhone front-facing cameras, you know, we're all more aware of our neck. People didn't ask me about this 20 years ago. Totally. Um, So it's kind of a new problem that we've kind of put on ourselves. No, I ask Um, Dr.
1: Sam all the time. I'm like, (laughs) so my neck. Like, I'm constantly Like, you can't see me, but I'm like lifting my neck as far away from my shoulders as possible. Like, what? What can I do about the lines on my neck and it's sh- okay I feel the same way about okay, my neck good, so good, good. it's
3: it's just normal yeah. um okay so things we can do yes so again surgery is the gold standard Um, Although a lot of surgeons that I know are aware that people don't want a full-blown neck lift or don't want like a lower facelift or something where there's a big incision where they have to be under anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of now more minimally invasive neck tightening procedures, including using um, threads, which is like a suture Mm -hmm. that goes under the skin and it can pull the skin up tight. Um, Usually that's a temporary effect. Uh, There are some tightening skin devices that use radiofrequency energy, which is like a type of heat, and the heat makes the collagen thinks that it's being injured, so it causes like a wound healing reaction, and the collagen can kind of tighten and contract. Sometimes that's a really subtle change, but it's something that's often done in combination with other procedures, and then I also like Botox for the neck. Ooh, so yeah. this has kind of become my new favorite thing since I'm in my 40s. I started Botoxing my neck, and I can tell that it works. When I was in my 30s and I was seeing patients asking about their neck, I had less empathy because I, I didn't really understand how <laughs> frustrating like, it was. And I'd be like, sorry, yeah, not that we can really do. Maybe we can throw some Botox at it. But now yeah. I'm like more motivated to try these things. <laughs> yeah. And I found that you have to use a fairly large amount of Botox because it's a big flat muscle. So what we're doing is we're tightening, we're relaxing a bit of that muscles sort of pulling on the neck so you don't have the bands that go um, mm-hmm. like from the chin down and also the little lines like the necklace lines that go across. Yep. We can use a little bit of filler also in those lines. Oh,
1: interesting. And then I like
3: microneedling with PRP just to improve the integrity of the skin.
1: Got it. Yeah, because right. it starts to thin, right? Like as you exactly. age. How often are you doing Botox on your neck? As much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, about every three
3: months. <laughs> okay. It, it okay. lasts as long, you know, similar to when we use Botox on the face. Sure. Okay. So it's like micro- Injection. So uh-huh. we use usually around 40 to 50 units of Botox and kind of spread it out across the whole neck. Got it. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. There, I wanted
1: to throw this question at you. I'm not sure if it's your forte, but what is the difference <laughs> between dandruff and a dry scalp? Oh, or is there? Of course this is okay. Just my forte. This oh. is this is bread and butter dermatology. Okay, stuff. good. Yeah. See, <laughs> I don't even know. Like I honestly, but I think this is a, a good point. Like sometimes when it comes to skin or hair issues, I'm like, Who Who do do I go to? Yeah. Do I I just go to like my general practitioner? Do (laughs) Do I go go to to my dermatologist? Yeah. Like
0: who do I go to? My hairstylist, who do I talk to?
1: I'm like, help me.
3: Yeah. Yes. uh, That's the scalp is skin too. And so that's that's part of our domain as well. Make
1: it sound so simple. Um, yeah. <laughs>
3: so, so dandruff, uh, the medical term for that is seborrheic dermatitis. Okay, And it's a form mm. of eczema and it's super common and people always come in and they're like, oh, this is so weird and gross. And I'm like, no, really, it's like 80% of the population has this at some point in their life. Um, starting when you're a baby, it's known as cradle cap. And then we see it, I mean, in teenagers, we see it in elderly people, so it can happen to anybody. And unfortunately, we don't know the cause. So when people come in with this and they're like, why do I have this? What did I do? Is there something I can eat differently? And, you know, even though it's that common, we really don't have a good understanding of what causes it. And Because it's so widespread amongst the population, it's not like just people with certain... Um, genetics or certain um, ethnicities, or you know, it's kind of a little bit of a, it doesn't really discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a condition that is partially um, caused by overproduction of oil and also an overgrowth of a yeast that normally lives on our skin. So mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of organisms that are supposed to live harmoniously with us, but sometimes they get a little excited and they grow more than they're supposed to, and that can cause a bit of a reaction. So. Mm-hmm. Dandruff is usually a sort of um, bumpy, itchy, and scaly rash um, on the scalp. It can also affect the face. So it can be in the eyebrows or in men in the beard area. Um, And we usually treat it with a combination of an antifungal and an anti-inflammatory medication. And some people have to use those medications off and on just to kind of keep it under control because it can kind of come and go. And people seem to mention that stress makes it worse or sometimes seasonal weather changes make it worse. Um, dry scalp, it's hard to know. In some cases, it probably is the same condition and people just don't understand um, that it's seborrheic dermatitis. But some people just have a dryness of their scalp. It's more common in women. And a lot of people think it's hormonal. It seems to be something that women complain about around the time of menopause where a lot of other fun things are happening. Mm -hmm. And the scalp can just be dry and itchy. So we have a lot of treatment options for that too. But a dermatologist can examine your scalp and whether you have like hair thinning or some other condition or just
1: itching on your scalp, we usually have a remedy for you.
3: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Okay, so I went in and saw Dr. Sam for my Bobo appointment Mm -hmm. a couple of (laughs) weeks ago. And uh, you were telling me about a unique treatment that you're starting to do at Facile called Sebacea. Mm-hmm. And it's FDA approved to reduce facial acne by up to 85%. Mm. It's being called a worthy alternative to Accutane, which I find really fascinating. So can you kind of explain how this works and how you heard about it and why you decided you wanted to bring it to Facile?
3: Yeah. So this is a very exciting new treatment that we are just starting to use. I first heard about it actually at a, um, a conference over five years ago, and I think somebody who was involved in the studies was mentioning it. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't wait until we have this. Yeah. And now it's finally here. Yes. So sebacea is a treatment that uses a laser to treat acne. Now, a lot of people may say, oh, well, I already get laser for my acne. And we do use certain types of lasers, like laser genesis and vascular lasers and red light, but they help acne temporarily. So yeah, you could come in every two to four weeks and have a laser treatment and it would probably work fairly well for your acne, but that could really get expensive and add up over time. So there hasn't been a laser that can specifically target sebaceous glands. And this has been kind of the holy grail and you know, people who develop lasers, they're like, how can we get the laser to see the oil gland? Mm. Um, because the way lasers work with skin is that the laser energy targets something specific. So like we have lasers that target blood vessels because the laser energy is attracted to hemoglobin in blood. We have lasers that target hair because the lasers are attracted to melanin and that's in the, in, in darker hairs. And that's why lasers don't work for lighter hairs, Mm. but there's not a laser that can see a sebaceous gland. So what sebacea did was they developed a product that when you apply it to the surface of the skin, the ingredient in the product, which are gold nanoparticles, are driven into the pore by a device. It's like a vibrating device that we have to use while we're applying the topical. The The particles go into the pore and they kind of settle in the sebaceous gland. So then when we activate it with the laser, the heat is driven to the gold particle. Wow. So it, therefore, the heat shrinks the oil gland. And even though acne is definitely a multifactorial disease, if you can get rid of the oil production, usually the acne will significantly improve. Totally. And this is what Accutane does. Exactly. I mean, it shrinks oil glands. And Accutane's a miracle drug, and we we love it, and we use it when it's necessary. But there are a lot of side effects, and you have to have blood tests, and people don't like taking it. Yeah. Um, usually they're happy when it's over because their skin looks great. Um, But this is going to be such a great alternative because people don't want to take medications. They want to do things in a more natural way. And again, acne is so common. Um, I see it all day, every day. and we see it in teenagers and all the way through adults mostly in women yeah. so we're excited to have a new treatment option so teens can use this oh yeah and actually they did in their study there were a lot of teenage patients in the study they mostly treated people with moderate acne so not severe cystic acne mm. and not like mild a little bit of blackheads acne however you know the now that we're going to have it in our hands i think that we're going to see acne patients of all kinds who are going to want to do it. And because it's safe, and it's quick, it's three treatments a week apart. And the results take about three to six months to see the full effect. And the study in Europe showed that at two years, people were still not needing to be on any acne medication after they completed that
1: series of three. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Really um, cool. What would that cost somebody to come in and get the three treatments? Because you buy them all together. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like you can just do one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I they studied it with three, so we have no idea that like one treatment would possibly work for somebody. So uh, right now we're charging twenty four fifty dollars for yep. the package of three. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so yes. can we talk a little
2: bit more about lasers? Yes. Oh, of course. Um, specifically... About about lasers uh, for people with more melanin in their skin. Mm-hmm. So there's this belief that lasers are not meant for people with deeper skin tones because it can cause more hyperpigmentation. I, you know, have been told that laser treatments are not a good option for me. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, are there better laser treatments versus others for people with deeper skin tones? Yeah, definitely.
3: So I'm glad that people are aware of this because when lasers were new, we were seeing a lot of people having treatments like laser hair removal and getting burned because, like I said, the laser for hair removal is attracted to melanin. So if you have melanin in your skin, the laser can't tell the difference between your skin melanin and the hair melanin, so it all gets heated up. So any laser that is attracted to melanin, which in most cases is going to be in a range from around like 600 nanometers to about 900 nanometers in in wavelength. So that includes most IPL devices. And and IPL treatments on darker skin, I think, is a very bad idea (laughs) because you can't always control how much melanin is absorbing the pigment. Mm -hmm. And then you can get burn or you can get discolored. And also, any laser treatment, there's gonna be heat generated because Mm -hmm. laser energy is translated into heat when it hits your skin. And a lot of people with more melanin in their skin, when they have a wound of any kind, whether it's a pimple or a scratch or a full face laser treatment, it can cause discoloration while you're healing. And that's called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And there are ways we can mitigate that. So if you really want to have a Fraxel laser, for example, Fraxel is a laser that is not attracted to melanin. Uh, Nora is clear and brilliant. So those are lasers that are safer to do on darker skin types okay. if they are done properly. And I usually will treat somebody with um, more melanin in their skin. I will pre and post treat them with a brightening cream so that we're inhibiting the production of melanin so that that post inflammatory pigmentation doesn't happen. Okay. So it can be done cautiously by somebody who knows, knows what they're doing <laughs> right, and knows how to take care of your skin properly. right. So if you are getting any of those laser
2: treatments go to a dermatologist or someone who can really you know speak to like the specific treatments that you should be getting versus going to like you know a lot of facial bars now just mm-hmm. offer these treatments and so and they don't obviously can they can't advise you the same way a
1: dermatologist would yeah, yeah yeah okay great so what's one aesthetic treatment that you get a lot of patients coming in asking you for and you have to kind of put the smack down and you're like, (laughs) I'm not doing this to you. Like, what do you think people think they need most of when they actually don't?
3: Huh. That's a good question because I mean, that varies a lot. I'm sure. Because a lot of people come in and they want whatever their friend had, like my friend had this filler or my friend had Botox in this area or, you know, some certain treatment and they want that specific thing. Mm -hmm and maybe that specific thing isn't good for their skin. But when I was thinking about this question, I was kind of thinking about peels. Because peels have changed a lot over the years. Um, So, when I first started training and practicing, we didn't have a lot of these um, sort of minimally invasive lasers, microneedling, and treatments that were safe. So, we did a lot of really strong peels on people. So, if you had acne scars, you got a a 35, 40% TCA peel that had two weeks of downtime. And it worked great for acne scars, but there was a lot more risk involved yep. and risk, downtime, unpleasantness, pain, etc. So deep peels were also used for wrinkles. Um, and so a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I think I want to peel for my wrinkles, acne scars, etc." And nowadays, not as many people are doing those strong peels mm-hmm. um, just because we have so many other alternatives where we have better control of how they interact with your skin. So, yeah. like for example, my gold standard now for treating acne scars is microneedling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that peels don't have a place and my aestheticians, for example, do really light peels and that's great for maintenance um but you can't do a really light peel and make a dent in a deep acne scar totally so i think that's something that i think people don't really have a good understanding of what what peels can do because and and what kind of variety of peels we used to use compared to what
1: we use now on another note chin fat okay i have done cool sculpting on my chin and i saw results from it but like it came back like whatever because I can only do one treatment on my chin. And then I talked to you about my Mm -hmm. options if Mm -hmm. I like really wanted to get rid of it. And you told me this fact about Kybella that I think most people don't know. Can you talk a little bit about chin fat and what you think is the best way to remove it? And the fact about Kybella that kind of blew my mind. So
3: are we talking about like, Sarah, you don't I mean, have chin. no, we're but fat. Like... we're talking about fat, not loose skin. We already talked about the gobbler. Yes. Okay. So I just wanted to make it clear, <laughs> not the
1: gobbler. We're talking about the and double this chin. Is, yes. yeah, this is the double the double chin, chin. right? Yeah. Okay. So like, I can work out and like get right. in great shape, but like a lot of women, it's like and genetic, right? Yeah, have this thing yeah. that yeah. just won't go
3: away. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't
1: really exercise it like, away. Like you can be yeah. in the best shape of
3: your life, totally and still have it. Yeah. 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 No, it's very frustrating. Yeah. So. I mean, the gold standard for that is liposuction. And again, I'm going back to, I'm like, you gotta have surgery, but they think the thing that people don't understand, again, kind of like I said about blepharoplasty and for eyelids, is that the surgery is not major. Yeah. I used to do liposuction in the office and we numb that area with a local anesthetic. Um, you don't need to be asleep. You Most people choose to take a little sedative to feel relaxed. It's just local numbing. And then you take a little, make a tiny incision, take a little tube and suck the fat out. And it's just more of a sure thing because then you've got the fat, it's out of your body. You're like, okay, there it goes in (laughs) the trash. I can see it leaving my body. (laughs) (laughs) And then when, you know, the the risks are very minimal. You have bruising, swelling, you have to wear a little compression garment for about a week, but Mm -hmm. then you're done. Yeah. Um, It's just a week downtime. It's yeah. Wow. Well, this in, is in most, most thing- cases, yes. Right. 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 Now, that over time, the skin will tighten a little bit more. It may still feel sore. It may feel numb for longer than a week. Yeah. But
1: it's a it's a fairly easy procedure to do. I think liposuction. When people hear that word, they yeah. honestly think about like extreme makeover or sure. something like that, where like right. somebody's getting a whole body makeover and they're going under and they're getting a whole body transformation. Like people. Think of liposuction as this bigger than life thing when really, yeah, it's almost like a treatment instead of a surgery. Yeah,
3: let's call it micro liposuction. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. micro lipo.
1: So on that note, Kybella, because everybody's—I think this is like probably the most publicized Mm -hmm. way to get rid of chin fat. Yeah, but you can't just get one treatment and be done. Right. So I actually was one of the investigators
3: in the two of the clinical trials for Kybella. So I got to use it a lot on a lot of people. So I really got to experience Kybella um, before it even came available on the market. And in the studies, we used a significant amount of product and each patient had six treatments. So they would come in monthly and we would inject several vials of Kybella after each treatment, they would experience swelling, bruising, soreness. And then it progressed to kind of like a hardening of the fat and like a numb feeling. And then the fat would shrink a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they would come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. So then round two, uh, How we would inject long? several vials. a month? A month, okay. Yeah. So every patient in our study got six treatments a month apart. So they had to go through the swelling, bruising, soreness, numbness, whole process multiple times. And it did work. When you use enough of it, it really does work. But I kind of describe Kybella as like peeling away the layers of an onion. So you do one treatment and a little bit of fat goes away. You do another treatment, it gets the next layer. So if you do enough, that does work, but people tend to get a little discouraged, unfortunately, because they don't enjoy the post-procedure part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool sculpting's a little easier. Um, you do have the soreness and minor swelling. It seems to work with fewer treatments, but sometimes with cool sculpting, the limitation is... The sculpting applicator doesn't fit. Even so. the mini one. So they
1: have like the big one that you can use on your stomach and stuff, which I have gotten. But then they use the smaller applicator mm-hmm. that they just came out with on my chin. And the issue was it worked for me, but I was supposed to go back like in two or three months to get a second procedure done, and it had nothing to grab onto mm-hmm. because it was right. gone. Right. So, but then it came back, and it's like this endless cycle. Like, okay, right. you, so are you supposed to go like in between that stage, or like it was fine? But then, honest, I mean, yeah, right. It just, just comes totally, back. Like, yeah, I gained weight, so like it it did come back. And then it's like, okay, I can go and get it done again. But then, in the time that I'm supposed to go back and get that second treatment, there's literally nothing to grab onto, mm-hmm. so I'm unable to actually get the full effect of it. Totally, um, right, and right. That the, happens a lot with the, that. With that chin fat specifically, and my the you know the uh, I actually went to Dr. Gavami to get it done. Um, He's a plastic surgeon, but he was very upfront. He was like, "You might have this one, and your chin fat will go away, but like then what am I supposed to do when it's gone?" (laughs) Yeah, like literally, he's (laughs) like, "I like there's other things we can do to supplement it, like lipo, yeah, um, or Kybella." But he his personal stance was like, "I'm not a big Kybella person. Mm -hmm. Um, You just need a lot more treatments." But to your point, I remember going into an office and actually seeing maybe it was your office when it, it said Ky, like the we have kybella or whatever and it mm-hmm. says like results after six treatments mm-hmm. but like a lot of people when they go to get kybella they're not told that they're like right. yeah we'll give you Kaibella, you'll lose your chin but then it's like but how many treatments do you actually and then need like to the see downtime
2: results? that's so much if you're going if you're having yeah. to do it once a month You know, that's like a big part of your life. And it
3: really is only realistic to use on a very small area. Mm -hmm. So again, when it first came out, people got really excited. They started putting it into like arms and thighs and abdomens. And I mean, it's going to end up costing three, four times more than if you just had the lipo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little Mm -hmm. discouraging and it hasn't been as popular of a treatment as everybody hoped. Yeah. But it does work if, if you do enough of it. Yeah. Hey, I've
1: seen women that have gotten it done. One of my friends, she got it done before her wedding and I was like, holy crap, you look amazing. She's like, it was the Kybella. That makes sense. <laughs> like yeah.
2: for an event like you're trying to prep for. Totally. Yeah, yeah but like long term, like yeah.
1: lipos. Well,
3: right. actually I'll tell you, I had some Kybella in my armpit fat. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it worked better there than oh, really? I expected. And I think they're doing some studies for that area. I mean, because Technically, it's only um, FDA approved for the chin fat, but, mm-hmm. you know, we do things sometimes we call it off label yep. where, you know, the physician makes a decision that, you know, this yes. is safe. I think this will work fine. So a lot of people are doing it on this like armpit fat and it, it works pretty well for me, I have to say, because mm. you can't really fit the cool sculpt applicator on that armpit fat either. Yeah. So... We
2: would love to do a little speed round. You offer so many different treatments, and I think that there are some that maybe um, our listeners are not super familiar with. So if you could break down each one, it can be super quick, um, or you can go into as much detail as you want.
3: So the first one is... Fraxel. What is Fraxel? Oh, Fraxel is one of my favorite lasers. (laughs) It is for skin rejuvenation. So in most cases, we use it on people who have a lot of dullness and sunspots and not deep wrinkles, but maybe it's just some texture like crepey skin. We can make a really big difference with one Fraxel treatment, which is why I love it. It's very satisfying. And the recovery is very predictable, but it's about five days uh, we do the treatment, we, we numb you first, we, we laser the, usually the whole face, we also do neck, chest, and arms pretty commonly, and hands, mm-hmm. and you look like you have a bad sunburn for about 24 hours, and then your skin starts getting all like brown and dry like sandpaper, and then the sandpapery skin gradually kind of sloughs off, so for those few days where your skin is brown and peely, it's hard to cover up, but it's not like you can't leave your house, yeah. so it's not like, it's Like major social downtime. Got it. But in about a week, you have basically this like brand new skin. And it's very, very safe, again, if it's done correctly. And the risk of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is very minimal. And I've even used it in some people for melasma as like a starter treatment. And then I get them immediately on some post-procedure melasma treatment to prevent the pigment from rebounding. So the thing that's most important with Fraxel is that people look so good right after that they are like, oh, I don't really have to do anything now. I can just like relax and not not take care of my Skin, and you know, and then if they come back a year later, they're going to be back to square one. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gives you like a fresh slate to start with your skincare. And they have studied Fraxel for um, precancerous spots too. So I let everybody know if they're like kind of embarrassed they're doing a cosmetic procedure. I say, well, this is really like
1: good for your skin yeah. for the long term. Yeah. Okay. I want that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, okay,
3: what is microinfusion? Uh, microinfusion is a very popular treatment that has no downtime and looks good immediately. So the results aren't long lasting, like something like Fraxel, but it's great before an event or before you're having photos taken. So it's a really short uh, micro needle device. Uh, the needles don't go that deep, so you don't have any like pinpoint bleeding or prolonged redness after. And there's a cartridge attached, and we make a little concoction, usually containing some dilute filler, Botox, and vitamins. And we use those little needles to press the cocktail of ingredients into your skin. So the filler creates just a little bit of plumping and hydration that you see immediately. Mm-hmm. And the effect on of Botox when it's injected into your skin and not your muscle is to just smooth the texture. It also makes the pores appear smaller. Mm-hmm. And then the vitamins can help with some brightening. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Saw this on your Instagram... What is blotox? Oh. <laughs> blotox <Blow-talk's laughs> kind of a hot new topic. Um so botox um, as you may know can also be used for sweating, most commonly used in the underarms, but really you can inject it anywhere that you get sweaty. I mean it can be used in the groin, on the palms, and on the scalp. So I think this first became popular in New York when people started doing spin classes <laughs> and they didn't want to have to go from spin class to dry bar um, Um, every single day so if we could reduce the sweating on the scalp it keeps you from having to you know, sweat out your blowout. Does that affect like your hair growth at all? It does
2: not. Okay. No.
3: And I need need this. (laughs) And Botox in the scalp is also used for migraines, but it's a different technique. And I obviously don't know how to do migraine injections, but we take a Botox and dilute it. So we have a large amount of liquid Mm. and then we just do little micro injections. Or if somebody has like a certain part of their scalp where they sweat more, like maybe their hairline in the front or the back, we can kind of concentrate the treatment there. Okay, PRP. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We love PRP. Um, This is sort of an evolving treatment that first kind of came onto the scene about five years ago. And we're still learning what's the best way to use it. But PRP is where we draw your blood. Uh, We take the plasma. So PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. And the plasma of your blood contains uh, cells called platelets, which are normally recruited to a healing wound. So we're basically taking these cells that release growth factors and proteins that your body needs to heal, Mm -hmm. and we're adding it to a procedure. So maybe we do a Fraxel, and then we put PRP on after it enhances the result and speeds up the healing process. And we also inject it. So when we inject it into acne scars or fine lines, we're creating a little bit of lifting of the skin, and then the PRP stimulates new collagen to build. Awesome. Wow. So it's okay. like taking your body's own ability to create collagen. Awesome. And
2: Cool. I have to try that too. <laughs> um,
3: okay. Last one. Cryofacial.
2: What's a cryofacial?
3: Ah, uh, the cryofacial. Um, this is something that our estheticians do and, uh, we use liquid nitrogen. So dermatologist best friend, cause we love to freeze stuff off. We take the liquid nitrogen though, and we apply it to like a, usually they use like a large Q-tip and lightly glide it over the face. So it's not, going to cause your skin to blister, like when we um, freeze off a wart, for example. Mm-hmm. But it lightly exfoliates the top layer of skin, and it works great for people who have acne or clogged pores because it kind of dissolves all that like dead skin and stuff that's trapped in your pores. So Absolutely. they often do it in combination with
1: facials and extractions. Cool. Okay, guys, so we have... Picked Dr. Sam Elitis' brain I know, I feel bad. for like an hour almost, and we still have to get to melasma. So, we're gonna wrap up this episode and then we're gonna do part two on Friday. So, you're gonna get more with Dr. Sam. So, thank you guys for listening. Please follow Dr. Sam and Facile on Instagram. What is Facile's Instagram? At Fasile Skin. Great. And then yours is? At Dr. Samulitis. Yay. And you guys know where to find us. We will talk to you guys on Friday. Yay.